1: Nearly 800,000 people die by suicide in the world each year, which is roughly one death every 40 seconds. Suicide is the second leading cause of death in the world for those aged 15 to 24 years. Suicide is the third leading cause of death for 15 to 24-year-old Americans, according to the CDC. These are the statistics. But when it comes to suicide and talking to kids, the statistics don't give us the words, the feelings, the loss, the answers. In fact, every time there is a suicide in our communities, in our schools, in our families, in the lives of our children, it usually leaves us with more questions than answers. How do we talk to kids about this extremely difficult topic? Dr. Dan Ridenberg is the executive director of Suicide Awareness Voices of Education called SAVE managing director of the National Council for Suicide Prevention and is on the executive board of the International Association for Suicide Prevention. He is co-chair of the International Media and Suicide Task Force and serves on numerous national and international advisory boards. He speaks about suicide and suicide prevention internationally and has written many articles and book chapters about it as well. Dr. Reidenberg has been interviewed by major media sources from around the world, including CNN, Larry King, Good Morning America, The New York Times, and Washington Post and has helped develop the U.S. National Strategy for Suicide Prevention and the National Research Agenda. He has received numerous awards for his work, including the Service for Humanity Award, and named the Champion of Change by the Obama administration. We are so pleased to have you on the show today, so welcome Dan Reidenberg to How to Talk to Kids About Anything.
0: Well, thank you for having me. It's it's an honor to be here and uh, appreciate the introduction and really the great work that you're setting out for all of the people that are going to listen to this.
1: Oh, uh, well, we have a wonderful audience of parents, of educators, of coaches, All different types of people who work with kids, who love kids, who really want the best for them and know that being silent and not having these very tough conversations is not the right thing to do. So I'm really thrilled to have you on the show. And before we get into the full bulk of the interview, for those people who haven't read your articles or seen you speak, can you tell us... What gets you up in the morning and what got you in this line of work? What got you interested in writing and developing programs and initiatives around suicide
0: awareness and prevention? Sure. Um, What gets me up every day is the hope. Uh, It really is the hope that we can save someone. It is the hope that we can develop something that is going to make a difference. Right now, as, as you mentioned at the top, the numbers are not going in our favor. The numbers are increasing in the deaths by suicide, not just in our country but around the world. Um, and, and, and sadly, even for, for younger kids today, the, the five to nine year old age range is increasing, uh, more than ever before. So what gets me up is, is the hope that we can do something different about this than, than we've done because to date we haven't found enough success. Um, that being said, what got me into this was was actually by happenstance. I'm a clinical psychologist by training, worked in hospitals and clinics and had a private practice. Uh, my favorite part of my career was working um, on an adolescent psychiatry unit where I uh, ran the program and was able to work with, with young people and their parents. And, and uh, through some some of the most difficult times in their lives, and yet um, see some of them come out on the other side to be really productive adults has been has, was, was a great experience. Mm. But, we, but, but, but I also lost people along the way. Mm. Um, throughout my career, I've lost six uh, uh, patients of mine. Uh, I've lost family and friends uh, to suicide. Mm. I lost a friend who I grew up with some, from the time we were a year old. Uh, when we were in college, uh, he took his life. So I've had this both personal and, and professional connection to to the topic. And, and I would say the last thing is that um, this is really, really hard. Um, you, you mentioned it and, and, and you stated it so, so eloquently that these are difficult conversations that we don't want to have. And we don't want to have them because we don't know how to have them. Mm-hmm. Uh, if we can... Uh, really speak in English and we can give some very simple tips and help to people that they can start these conversations uh, not even for just the people who are in a suicidal crisis but for people who are just really struggling how do you start that conversation and and be okay with it we have hope we have lots of hope to, to catch people before it's too late so um, I've been touched by this I've been impacted by a uh, a very difficult field to be in that, that isn't going well, um, but, but have real strong belief that we can we can change the world here.
1: Mm. I'm just so grateful for you and the work you're doing. I can feel your emotion and your commitment to this. So I, I'm just so pleased to have you on. Suicide, as you mentioned, is a very delicate topic that incorporates really several tough conversations all sort of smushed into one. I mean, it's talking about death to kids, which already is a tough topic on its own. It's talking about mental health, which again is a a tough topic about struggling, about asking for help. When is the right time to talk to kids about suicide? Is there something we talk about before one happens or do we wait for it after when something has already happened to talk about suicide and what should kids know if they are in different age groups is there something we can say to a younger person that we wouldn't that we maybe would say differently to an older person what's your view on that
0: so um
1: Way, way to start with with the tough question. I this know. Is, I'm sorry.
0: Nope, I got to get into is, it. I don't
1: even know what would be a not tough question in this right. area. So. No.
0: so, so this <laughs> is good. This is really important. Um, so first, let me start by this, and then we're going to come back to it. Are there different things you say to kids at different ages? Yes, absolutely. Um, and we need to be age-appropriate, and we need to be conscious of where they're at developmentally because every kid is different. Five-year-old is different than another five-year-old, and they're both different than a nine-year-old. So, yes, we have to do that differently. But that feeds into your first question um, and your, your, your issue about there's lots of different conversations. When it comes to suicide, when do you have that conversation? Yeah. By and large, it would be best if we had the conversation beforehand, Mm -hmm. before there was a tragedy. Mm -hmm. Because it's a different kind of conversation that you have with a child when it's happened. Mm -hmm. Um, That being said, it's not always possible to have those conversations. There isn't necessarily the perfect opportunity to bring this up and just say, oh, hey, you know what, Uh, I'd I'd really like to talk to you about a tough subject Mm -hmm. today. Um, We're going to talk about suicide and then we're going to go on with the rest of our day. That's not an easy thing to do and it's probably not even the best thing to do. So those opportunities to start those conversations may not come just really simply and they may come unfortunately and tragically when something has happened. Now, it may not be because of a suicide, but maybe it was because of an attempt, or maybe somebody was thinking about suicide and they got hospitalized, and they need to tell somebody that their older sibling, uh, who's a teenager, went into the hospital. Still a very difficult conversation to have. So the best scenario is talk to them when they're ready for it, and talk to them before an incident has happened. Mm -hmm. Um, When that isn't possible, it is best to talk to them right away. Uh, you don't want to delay on this you don't want to if there is a, a tragic loss of life we don't want to we don't want to hide that or, or keep that from somebody uh, and hope that they don't find out about it you need to be honest and open very quickly <clears throat> but let me come back to that first piece is how do you do this right. if if you're just having that opening conversation tie it to something that they can connect with, whether they're watching a television show or maybe there's a game that they've been playing. Maybe it's a, something that they've heard about in school that has something to do with death or even dying. Uh, maybe it's another peer that, uh, that they know that might have a, another disease, really a tragic disease, cancer, or diabetes, and you bring it up related to a disease. Then you bring it up around um, their age appropriateness. Young kids, uh, you need to be very concrete and very basic. You know, when you have a headache or you have a stomachache, this is how it feels. When Emotionally, when you have feelings and they make you sad, um, these are the things I want you to tell me when you feel that way. As they get a bit older um, and and closer to 10 or 12 before adolescence, um, you can add some other context to it. Until they get into adolescence, then you can add some more details to the conversation. Um, And that's just the general conversation about about suicide and and death. Mm -hmm. It's different however if there has been a death. Mm -hmm. Um, You need to find a quiet space to have this conversation, you need to make sure there's no other distractions, you need to make sure that they're prepared and they're ready. Um, even so so much so that they might want to run to their room. They might want to go find something that they feel very comforting with to re, to rely on. Maybe it's music, maybe it's a toy, but they need that space. So you need to find the right space and explain what you know, what, what happened, but not go into too many details. Um, they don't need to know every single detail about how the person died, especially younger kids. Mm-hmm. Older kids might need to know a bit more details, and you might need to change that over time, what you talk to them about. So I, I think it changes over time mm-hmm. uh, and again the best scenario is talk to them before it happens, but if it does happen talk to them right away mm-hmm. uh, wonderful and I, I
1: think what you're saying is really important I just I'm just writing the chapter on how to talk to kids about death right now for my book and uh, and and I really do echo those same sentiments that even though these are very difficult conversations we need to do it before we absolutely have to have them if possible. Um, so I really agree with what you're saying. And yes, it is such a difficult topic to bring up. And I do want to get into the words that we have once we get into a couple more of these uh, aspects of suicide. We've heard about suicides happening. And as you said, it, it, it seems like the it's not going in our favor. The rate of suicide is increasing. So why is this? What is going on that's making it so this rate of suicide is going up right now?
0: Well, uh, another really good question, uh, and one that we don't have a great answer for, honestly. Um, We have some things that we, we suspect. Um, We know some things that are impacting it, but we don't know for sure exactly why. For example, we know that um, we have better reporting today than we've ever had before. That better reporting, that surveillance data that uh, the CDC, the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention, captures for us is, is better today. It's more timely than it's ever been before, and we're getting more accurate data through what's called the National Violent Death Reporting System. And a bit of an extension to that is that people are talking about it more. They're willing to be more open about it today than they were 20 and 40 and 50 years ago. Mm We're not there yet, Um, there's still a huge stigma around the topic of suicide and still mental health. Um, But families are more willing to to be open about what might have happened when it comes to a death and that impacts how data is tracked. For example, uh, it used to be that a medical examiner would um, show up at the house where somebody had died and they would see a, a, a wife and young children there. And unless they had very, very overwhelming, clear evidence that it was a suicide and they couldn't get around it, they would report it as an accidental death. So our numbers weren't as good. Stigma was greater. And that impacted things. Uh, We also know, for example, that the economy can have an impact on suicide. Even for young children, the economy can have an impact on suicide. We know that when there was the the Great Recession of 2008, um, there were a lot of people that were out of work and unemployed. And and, uh, Although the unemployment rate is down now, we know unemployment rates are tied to suicide. For adults, which have the highest numbers of suicides, but the impact on families was also significant. Uh, We had young people who were taking their lives uh, about 10 years ago, and what they were saying is is that they were too much of a burden on their family because they had to be fed food Mm. at night. And that just was a reality for some kids. That was a small number, but the reality is is that the economy has a big impact on on suicide rates uh, especially unemployment we know the military rates uh, uh, are double that of, of the general population mm-hmm. we know some populations specific populations uh, are impacting our numbers so for example the LGBTQ mm-hmm. the the uh, Uh, sexual orientation population. They have higher rates of suicide attempts and suicidal thinking. Uh, We don't know necessarily about deaths yet, but we know that that population is at greater risk of suicide. Uh, So all of these things start to add up. Now, there is one piece that I think is really important here that that I, I suspect many of your listeners would want to know about and it has to do with medications and suicide, specifically antidepressants because there, there was this in the media and there has been this fear that um, could antidepressants actually increase risk of suicide for young people and if so, what does that mean? Um, So so the research on this, and and, and I was fortunate enough to be able to testify before Congress about this issue uh, and the black box warning labels that the FDA FDA has put on antidepressants. All of this is to say that the research tells us there is a very, very small increase, about two to four percent change, that's it, from two up to four percent change for young people that take antidepressants, that there is this activating effect that happens for them within about two weeks of starting medications. We want parents to be very aware of that when they get their children started on antidepressants to just watch them. Mm -hmm. And by and large, most kids get through this. We know that a small number of them really struggle with thoughts of suicide and some impulsivity when they start these medicines. That too could be increasing some of the numbers around suicides. We have a lot of factors. Mm -hmm. The last one I wanna address I think is also very pertinent today and it has to do with media and in particular social media but also the entertainment industry. We know, for example, two years ago um, in the spring when Netflix released their series um, 13 Reasons Why, Mm -hmm. that was a major media event but it was also something that many, many young people around the world watched. And we had young people that not only became suicidal and looked for ways to die online, but we had young people die mm-hmm. by suicide, literally from watching that. So we know this impact from Hollywood and from television and movies, even games can have an impact on numbers, whereas we didn't have that the same way 25 and 50 years mm-hmm. ago.
1: Yes, and I know that people have very strong opinions about the media and social media and the way that media portrays different facets of our lives. I know you've mentioned in your work and what you just mentioned now that media can play a key role in the way that we understand suicide, we react to suicide, and and hopefully that we prevent suicide. And that's where I want to land right in this moment and just ask, can you tell us how we might be able to take the media out there and the social media and how parents and educators might be able to grab onto that and use it to talk to their kids about suicide?
0: Absolutely. It is literally what you just said. It is taking these opportunities that come up to start those conversations. I'll tell you, um, and in full transparency for you and for your audience, I was the consultant for Netflix mm-hmm. on uh, 13 Reasons Why. I will tell you that it was that season one was all done when I was brought into it, but I was brought into it before it aired, and I was able to uh, give them some information and advice, and we released a set of talking points uh, for parents and educators to be able to actually start and have some conversations before that came out. Uh, and those were released the night before season one came out. When season two came out last year, I again worked with Netflix, and we released uh, a great website that you can go to uh, called uh, 13ReasonsWhyToolkit.org, 13ReasonsWhyToolkit.org. And on that site, you will find a wealth of information for young kids to talk to them about how they have conversations with their peers, for parents to have conversations with their kids, for educators and coaches and people in the faith community, even for media on how to report on this. So we took the opportunity that was in front of us with this media entertainment uh, issue that was out there and created a way for people to start these conversations. And Netflix, in their original thinking, really did want to start the conversation. And I have no problems with that. I thought it was Mm -hmm. a great idea. It's why I signed on to try to help. The problem that I had with it was the way in which they portrayed things, not that they wanted to start the conversation. Mm. So I think you can take opportunities that come up to us, and whether it's a series like 13 Reasons Why, or it might be um, uh, I had an incident out in the state of Washington a couple of months ago where they were reading um, a Shakespeare play. And then we know that in Romeo and Juliet, um, there is a death by suicide. and And the question was is, should we not do this anymore? And and my response to them was no. Use this as a great opportunity to not only talk about um, uh, the the great. Uh, play that was put out by Shakespeare, but let's talk about suicide as a broader issue. So I think we use those things that happen to us in life and start those conversations right then and there.
1: So do you think that when, if we can imagine a parent sitting with a child watching 13 Reasons Why with them or having heard about something in the media, that they would be able to say, start asking questions, have you ever felt you know, very sad like that? Have you ever had friends who have mentioned anything about that? What are the sort of starting questions that
0: would allow them to use media as a springboard? So great question. And I think that those are good initial questions. Um, I might start a step back from that uh, before leading into them themselves Mm -hmm. or their friends. Now you can start with that, especially if you've had any concerns about your child or you know that your child has a peer that might have thought about that. It's a good opening thing. Um, But I would go back to what they just saw. I would want to ask them You know what was what were your thinks? What what did you think? Um, How did you feel when you saw this on this show? Um, And and really relate it to that show first, because Mm -hmm. it breaks down and it takes it away from that more personalized piece for them. So it starts the conversation more broadly before going into. Boy, has that ever happened to you? Have you ever even, has Mm -hmm. it even crossed your mind Mm -hmm. that that would happen? Or have you ever seen somebody write something like that in school? Have you ever found a note that somebody wrote about that? Or did Mm -hmm. one of your friends say to you, hey, I'm going to tell you this, but you've got to keep it a secret. Mm-hmm. Um, so by starting it with related to what they just watched, right. whether they saw something on social media about it, they might have seen an ad about this, or even seen an ad, for example, like the Crisis Text Line, I would relate it to that, uh, less personal, then make it more personalized mm-hmm. to them. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and 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 what's really important is that, and, and, and I say this, with all due respect to parents that are out there listening to this, and, and you know this well as a parent and as an educator and a speaker, um, most of the time, what I find is that parents talk too much. Hmm. <laughs> They need to listen more. Uh, (laughs) Yes. Yes. And and kids want that. And we can actually help kids through many, many crises, many emotional situations, even very dramatic ones, um, just by listening. Mm -hmm. So open the door. Ask the question, but listen. Really just try to let them talk it out and tell them what their experience is with it. Mm -hmm. And then ask some more questions, but keep listening to them rather than giving advice or jumping in too quickly and saying, you know, when I was a kid, this was my experience too. Mm-hmm. Because we know that kids don't really buy into that, especially younger kids. They, they, they think that they're so different than their parents. So ask the open-ended questions and you'll start to get the answers you need. Absolutely, it's
1: it is ironic that the most important thing that we can do when we're talking to kids about any difficult topic is to listen so I, I i have to agree there on on being able to stop talking and listen right. so,
0: no, so <laughs> yeah let me let me just let me supplement this so so once you've you've asked and connected them to what they were seeing or whether it was on social media or a television show or what have you, and then you've maybe asked them, "Has this ever happened for you?" you might need to take it a step further so if if a child says No, I've I've never thought about that. And I've never heard of anybody that's thought about that. You don't want to just walk away from it either. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. You want to use that opportunity now that the door has been opened up to say, okay, that's great. I'm really glad to hear that. But we know that life can be hard. We know that everybody has ups and downs. And try to give them an example that they can relate with. So, for example, they might say, do you remember when we lost our dog, their dog died, and we lost our dog and how sad you were and and how you cried about that and how we banded together as a family and whether we got a new dog or we went on a trip, what we did to get through that crisis. What you're doing to them in that moment is, is, is showing them success, mastery over a crisis. Mm-hmm. And if they can learn from that, even in this new conversation, what you can say is, when you have a bad thing that happens to you let's make sure you can get through it Mm -hmm. if you can't or if you're struggling with it here's what we want you to do here's what i want i want you to come to me or i want you to talk to your mom or your dad or talk to a teacher or coach or talk to somebody in our faith community the idea is i want you to talk to somebody about it and let's get you through it together because what we don't want is for you to just keep this bottled up inside Mm So you, you're, you're tying it to an incident that they know about, that they lived through, that they successfully got through, even to this new topic, mm-hmm. and you're helping them learn a skill because what we want is more coping skills. We know suicide is connected to this breakdown in coping skills, so if we can build up coping skills... Things many of your listeners have heard about resilience. Mm -hmm. If we can build those things up very early on, show them where they've been able to do it very well, hopefully they'll be able to apply it when they're feeling an emotional crisis, too. Mm, right. So, being able
1: to tell them, uh, you know, reflect back to them. Remember when you went through this particular tough time? Uh, you, this is some of the things that I noticed you did. What else did you do to get through that tough time? These are the type of coping skills that we need when new things come along, and they may get harder. And if you are able to do that with those coping skills, then awesome. But if you ever feel like those coping skills are not enough and you're still struggling, there are many people you can talk to
0: That's right um, and we want them to be able to talk through them
1: mm-hmm.
0: um, and now okay so so now we' we've, we've, we've started this conversation we've connected some dots for things uh, for people. Um, I think it's it's valuable to say look what if we're worried right what right. if what if our gut is telling yes. us that, boy, I, I'm not sure that that answer that I got is, is, is calming my fears. Right. Now, it might not be about their child, but maybe they, their child was exposed to this from somebody else. Mm. Um, I think it's really important in this instance to say, okay, so now we really should talk about this in a pretty serious way because I'm, I'm concerned that you, know, you were exposed to this or you heard about this what did you do about it how did you get through it um is there something that i can do to help you with it because i don't want you to be alone with it Mm -hmm. i don't want you to think that you just have to do this on your own and and i want to make sure that you've done it to the degree that we feel you're safe Mm -hmm. so Mm -hmm. we we do need to sometimes take that additional step um and and we're not talking right now about somebody who might be in crisis we're talking Mm -hmm. about they might have been exposed to it somehow right. Right. Um, but but they might not just be that person that's like no that's never happened for me so you're somewhere in between you need to make it pretty personalized right now and say did you really get through it and let's find out how you did that and are you all the way through it and maybe i should just kind of check in with you a couple more times just to make sure that everything's okay mm. that's all fine to do And I think it's really important. Mm -hmm. Agreed,
1: and I think that's significant here. That, and just to put high beams on that, that you've got to listen to your intuition. That parents, you know your kids the best, um, and. Teachers, you see these kids so just a huge percentage of the day that if we ever feel like a child is not quite through uh, dealing with a particular frustration, challenge, tragedy, that we do need to check in and follow up. And that's really what I hear you saying is that following up with them is, is vital to help kids so that they're not sort of wading through the muck um, for an extended
0: period of time. That's correct. And you said two things that, that I think are incredibly important. One is follow-up. We have good research now that tells us that following up more than just one time doesn't have to go on for years and over and over, but following up is incredibly important in reducing the risk of suicide. Uh, so that's really, really important. Uh, the, the other piece is that um, it, it's, it's okay to, to to do this, that, that you're not putting that thought into somebody's head, you're not mm. leading down a path or anything like that. Um, you're really um, kind of jumping in there saying, here's a resource, here's what we can do. Um, you don't need to go this alone. You don't need to keep a secret around this. Um, we can get you through this together and and you can be okay, mm-hmm. That that's important.
1: You mentioned that there, of course, we know that there's a link between suicide and and mental health. There's a link between suicide and the LGBTQ uh, community. Why would you say those links are so
0: significant right now? Um, Well, a couple of of reasons I think that we see suicide and mental health so connected and and, uh, special populations such as the uh, sexual orientation group. Uh, One is that Uh, We we know that 90% 90 of the people that die by suicide, they have have a mental health issue at the time of their death. Um, Now, it might be undiagnosed, Mm -hmm. uh, it might be underdiagnosed or misdiagnosed, but we know that when we go back and uh, look at uh, people who have died by suicide, we can find a mental health issue um, prior to their death. Uh, and we know that mental health is being talked about far more today than it ever has been. Whether you talk about Robin Williams who died, mm-hmm. uh, in 2014 or Kate Spade, uh, or Anthony Bourdain mm-hmm. the conversation has started and add Netflix 13 reasons why to this, the conversation is out there and <clears throat> excuse me, people are becoming more and more open to the, the conversation. Now it's still a bit disguised. But mental health is becoming something that people are talking about. Agreed. Now, whether it's social media that is impacting this because people are airing things on social media, whether it's cyberbullying and the uh, mental health issues yeah. that come out around cyberbullying, um, that could be part of why mental health is out there so much. But because there's this strong connection, 90% of people that die by suicide have a connection to a mental health issue. We know that we need to talk about both things together. Now, what, what's really important for your audience to understand is that, by far, suicide is a small base rate phenomenon. What that means is that, yes, it's the second leading cause of death for young people. And, yes, we have too many people dying by suicide. 47,000 people in 2017 died by suicide. For young people, they're the smallest number group. So there was about 6,000 out of the 47,000 that were young people. Uh, Most of them are adults and seniors. That being said, 6,000 young people taking their life is far too many. Mm -hmm. But it's a low base rate phenomenon. Most people that have a mental health issue, most people don't think about suicide and don't go on to attempt or die by suicide. And that's true for young people as well. We know young people attempt far more often. Mm -hmm. and This is where some of the special populations come in. We know that adolescence is all a period of transition. It's a transition period for the brain. The brain is going through a pruning process. It's getting rid of old nerve pathways that it doesn't need anymore because it's got set in its ways. The brain doesn't need to learn how to crawl again when somebody's 14 years old. Mm -hmm. So it prunes things. Well, in that pruning process, kids are far more impulsive, Mm -hmm. far more high risk-taking. And so we see young people that might be doing things that, you add an emotional crisis to it and a high risk behavior and and we see trouble. We see trouble around young people with sexual orientation as they go through and they're afraid to, to talk to people about it. They feel very isolated and alone. They feel like they their their body is telling them one thing and their mind is telling them something different mm-hmm. and they don't know if they should even voice this to anyone because their family may never talk to them again and they don't want to be removed from their family. Mm-hmm really feel that as a reality so we have all of these things happening where we have mental health issues really flourishing in in late childhood early adolescence we have special things happening for different populations and then we have a conversation needs to be started Mm. I, i i hooked
1: on to so many of the things that you just said and you know we know that our parents and our teachers our educators They spend a lot of time with the kids and the teens. They know these children very well, and still many have lost children to suicide, lost teens to suicide, suicide, and they didn't actually know that the children were suffering. As we're saying, a lot of them are staying silent. So I'd like to talk about the warning signs as we've now heard that mental health is, of course, an issue. Um, But how do we know when our tweens and teens are are just going through the hormonal changes, a tough time dealing with teenage drama, and when there's something more that would indicate a far bigger problem and actually are warning signs for suicide?
0: Okay, so two things. Let me start with this because this is probably one of the more important things that I could say in our conversation today, and then I'll jump into this warning signs and and how to tell the difference. You talked about, um, parents and educators and coaches, um, knowing or not knowing, uh, what's going on for the young people. And you also talked about, um, how much time they spend with them Mm -hmm. and that they know them very well. Mm -hmm. By and large, what we often hear almost universally from an adult that's lost a child to suicide is this statement. I had a gut feeling something was wrong. Mm. I knew it the night before, Oh right? I just didn't want to believe it, oh. or I didn't think this could really happen to my kid, mm. but I knew it, mm. and, and, and if I could say one thing to all of your audience, it would be trust your gut. Mm trust your intuition the exact thing that you mentioned just a few minutes ago if you can trust your intuition you are going to have a far leap out in advance of catching somebody before a tragedy happens Mm. too often what happens is that we get caught up in our heads and we rationalize things and we deny things and we don't believe that it's going to really happen We also get caught up in our emotions and think that there's no way we could lose someone that we care about. And those things cloud us from the reality that our gut is telling us something bad might be happening. So if your gut is telling you something is different, pay real attention to that. Mm. Now that's going to lead me right into this issue of warning signs, which, which is really important conversation too. We do know that Adolescence, childhood, adolescence this is a hard time for kids, and it's a hard time for parents. Um, we, we there's a there's a there's a, a funny quote that I use in in presentations when I I, I do training on this for ad, uh, people that work with adolescents is that um, adolescence is a time of of many changes, rapid changes, and there's a lot of aging that takes place uh, during adolescence, and most of that change and uh, transition happens for the parents because mm-hmm. it's. Really challenging to be with an adolescent during that time. Yes. Um, what we know is that um, these are tough times, not just because of the brain and, and the world that they're living in, and they're separating from their parents, and they're getting more aligned with peers, and they're dealing with peer pressures, and they're dealing with online media, um, and they're le- they're they're dealing with all of these uh, issues around success and where their life is going to go, and they don't think about that. They think about right here and now. So things become very difficult for them because. Everything is monumental for them. Everything is huge to them. And we might look at it and say, don't worry about it. You're going to get through it. But for them, right now is everything. And this is why we often hear that uh, when somebody's died by suicide, especially in adolescent, uh, you hear media reports saying, well, they broke up with their boyfriend or girlfriend. And we do know that that can be overwhelmingly difficult for most most people. But mm-hmm. most people also get through it. Mm-hmm. Some really don't. Where we see the the key here is when somebody's acting out of character. Now I'm gonna tell you the warning signs in a second, but but I would tell you this as a as a anecdotal warning sign, not the science base. Mm-hmm. Anecdotal warning signs I would tell you to watch for is what's a change in character. Is this young person, whether it's a student, whether it's one of my teammates, whether it is one of one of the, my kids is there, are they acting out of character for who they are, who I know them to be? If they're doing that, that's a warning sign to you. That mm-hmm. is definitely a yellow flag, most likely a red flag that you need to follow up. You need to ask some questions. You need to get some other information. You need to make some observations about what's going on. Because if they're acting out of character, that tells you something has changed for them. When that moves into a warning sign is this, and and here's what we know about the the research-based warning signs for suicide. When we look at those who died by suicide, all of the people who died by suicide did two things. They somehow communicated their intent to die and they looked for a way to die. Those are your two warning signs that are most important. If somebody is communicating their intent, that's very very serious now for example that might be somebody saying I hate my life I just wanna die that might be somebody saying I'm gonna kill myself tomorrow that might be somebody saying you know what everybody else would be better off without me And that last statement is very disguised it's a very indirect suicide related statement that needs to be put in context of everything else that's going on which which goes back to that trust your gut statement. Mm-hmm. So we know that um, the the people that we lose to suicide somehow communicate their intent, and and sadly, and, and for those that are, that are listening right now, that, that either lost someone, or, or that or, or that you know somebody that, that is at risk right now. Um, let me say this as, as, as kindly as I can and insensitively as I can because I've lost people myself and, and I deal with suicide every day. It is very hard and it changes your life forever. What's really hard for people to see is that about 85% of the time people communicate their intent. It's just – It's just not seen. It's not recognized. And they do it in many different ways to many different people. So not everybody is able to put the the puzzle pieces together right. So it's not about leaving you with a sense of guilt or shame or something that you did wrong and you missed, because that isn't what suicide is about. Somebody who's suicidal might say one thing to you and something very different to somebody else. And because those two people never talked, that's part of where the, the, the gap comes in. So it's really important to know that people do communicate their intent. Sometimes it's direct. More often it's very indirect. The second warning sign thing to pay attention to is they look for ways to die. They look for places that they can go to where they could die. They look for things in their house that they could use to take their life. They could be looking, you could find them looking in the gun cabinet when they probably wouldn't normally be looking in there because it's not hunting season. Mm. These are the kinds of things that we need to pay attention to. We need to check our medicine cabinets and make sure that our medicines should be locked up, but if they're not locked up, are they still there? Are they still there in the right amount? Or is somebody slowly taking them and stockpiling them? Those are the two most important warning signs that research would tell us to pay attention to. Now let me finish before I know you're gonna have another good question for me. <laughs> let me just finish with, there are a couple other warning signs that are important to pay attention to, to listen for, that, that adults can watch for. Anybody talking about feeling trapped, like there's no way out for them. Anybody talking about no hope for the future, This one is really important for young people because most of the time we don't have young people talking about their future. Their future for them is right now. If you have a young person who seems to be in some kind of emotional crisis or distress recently, they've maybe had a change in behavior at school, their academics, their attendance, their interactions with peers is different, and all of a sudden they're saying there's really no hope for them. They're not looking forward to anything in the future that lack of hope about the future is very, very serious. Another thing that would be very important for adults to watch for, and I mentioned this as one of the the signs, is the the verbal statements that the people make is a sense of burden. You would be surprised, and maybe your listeners would too, to know that So many people, I can't give you an exact number, but it's a big number, big percentage of people that we lose to suicide actually use the word burden (laughs) in talking about suicide. I'm a burden to my family. I'm a burden to my teammates. I'm a burden to my community. When we hear that, that's a serious warning sign too. So there's the two ones that we really want people to pay attention to communicating my intent to die somehow and looking for a way to die. And then these other statements about being hopeless, feeling trapped and and having this sense of burden that they put on the world. Those would be the big things to pay attention to. (sighs)
1: thank you so much for all of those i think that's so important for all of us to hear and perhaps you've just highlighted for somebody who's listening that they need to tune into their child or uh, a child in their community i really appreciate what you're saying to unpack it a little bit uh, when you mentioned that somebody um, might have a change in character what we're probably talking about is are they acting out or are they withdrawing more than typical? Are they, is their school performance uh, suffering all of a sudden? Are they removing themselves from friends they typically are with? Are they sleeping very much more or a lot less? Are they eating a lot more or a lot less? Um, and, and looking at for, for those parents and educators who are wondering how they can describe a, when a character is changed, it's, it's really just looking at your child and saying, what is their norm? And then what is out of the norm? And, and that would be the warning sign. Is that right? Exactly.
0: Now, now let me let me extend this because a lot of parents find themselves with this dilemma. Um, all of those things that you just mentioned about changing character are exactly right. That's what we want people to pay attention to. Um, but kids will try to fit into different groups, right? So if you have a, a child who normally is dressing um, in very bright colors and interacting with uh, normally quote unquote popular crowd and all of a sudden now they're dressing in all black um, and they're, they're listening to dark music and they're hanging out with the not just popular part of the community in in a school, uh, is that a warning sign? Well, it could be. Um, that's one of those where you might want to have a conversation, you might want to watch for things. So, for example, if they are still maintaining their grades and they're still interacting with people, they're just uh, interacting with a different group of people. Um, you might want to watch it uh, because you might want to see how they started to use drugs. They started to smoke cigarettes, starting to drink when they weren't before. That's a change in character that would be very, very worrisome. It may not indicate suicide change, but it is a change in character. But if they're just trying to hang out with a different group of people that they feel more aligned with, <clears throat> whether it is they're going from the sports world to the music world or to the, uh, you know, to, to the drama club at school – um, those are the differentiations that would be normal. They're just trying to figure out their own I- identity. It's when, when they're doing something that's so out of character, adding it to all those things you said, changing their sleep. They're pulling away from everything. They won't interact with you on weekends. They won't go to church with you anymore. They They won't go to sporting events and they won't talk to their friends at all. No friends at all. Um, those are the the things that differentiate kind of, I'm trying to figure out my identity and where I fit in versus I'm in trouble and I don't know what to do about it. Thank you for that.
1: Okay. So I think we have a good sense of the warning signs. And now before we get to the top tip, I want to delve into what we're going to say in particular situations. One of them, you mentioned that if a child Um, you have this hunch that something is going wrong and you see the warning signs. At that time, what is it that we are to say or do with our child? And after we go through that, I just want to go to, If a child has um, attempted suicide, what you would say or do. And then finally, if somebody in the community has attempted suicide or died, what you would say to the child. But let's, let's start with you've seen the warning signs. Now what do we
0: do or say? So if, if you've seen any of the warning signs, the thing you need to do is right now make it a priority, sit down and have the conversation. You, you can't wait. Um, whether you're a teacher, an educator, a coach, whether you're a parent, now is the time. We don't want it to be delayed at all because you might miss your opportunity. So if, if, you, if you know, if you think, if you believe, if you have information, any of those things, that needs to be your priority right this minute. Second, um, when asking the question about this you need to be very direct and you need to be very very clear you can't dance around it so if, if you have reason to worry or be suspicious that somebody might be suicidal you can't just go up to them and say hey you know Johnny um, doesn't seem like you've been feeling very well lately that isn't going to work because that's not where their brain is at their brain is at a place of suicide so you need to say so 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 John You know, I've been worried about you lately. Um, Have you had thoughts about killing yourself or taking your life? Or do you just not want to be alive anymore? Or Mm. have you thought about committing suicide? Whatever you need to do to communicate a fatality component to your question is critical. And again, I said this earlier. We have research that tells us it's not going to lead them down that path. It's not going to make them want to do it more. The research actually tells us that it's going to give them a sense of relief. It's going to take down some of that anxiety. It's going to connect with that brain where it's at so so you need to ask you need, you need to make it a priority and you need to ask the question really directly and, and you need to listen you need to hear whether or not that's what they've been thinking have do they have a plan have they have they thought about what they might do or where they might go to do this have they thought about when it might happen if they say to you oh you know I thought about that three or four months ago but I haven't thought about it now I'm just having a rough patch that's very different than if they say to you yeah, last night was a really hard night for me, and and I did go online to try to figure out what I could do. Oh. Those are very different things, but things that kids could very well say to you. So you need to listen for um, do they have a plan, do they have a time in place, do they have a method that they're talking about. Uh, you want to know all of those things. And then you want to be able to say to them, okay, look, you know, this is really concerning, but we're going to get you some help. We're going to get you through this and I'm going to stay with you until we get you to the right person. You don't have to be the person to get them through this. And in fact, probably the people that are listening to this are not going to be, but you need to say, I'm going to get you to that right place. I'm going to get you to the right person. Mm -hmm. So it, it's breaking it down to those three mm-hmm. things. It a priority, ask the question directly, stay with them and get them to the help that they need.
1: Right, Because then they can be the bridge to the person who is going to help them or the program that's going to help them through this really tough time. Right. Okay, so what about the child who has attempted and actually happened? Um, they attempted suicide and it was unsuccessful. Now, what are we to say when we discover that this has happened?
0: So uh, for somebody that's attempted suicide, there's a a number of different things that go into this. Uh, For example, if they've attempted and they've been in a hospital and they need to go back into school, we have to talk about reintegration plans. We need to help them reintegrate in the most successful way. Uh, we need to make sure that the lesson plans are uh, modified and adjusted for them. We need to make sure there's check-ins for them with, within many people within the school. We need to make sure we don't overburden them. And we also need to make sure that people don't feel like they're walking around on eggshells mm-hmm. around them at school so they feel isolated and, and shamed by what has happened. So there's a whole reintegration plan that would happen around schools. And that involves both the schools and the parents as well in that planning. Similar thing to when they might come home. Uh, people might feel like they have to walk around on eggshells. They're worried about what they're going to say. They're worried about what they can do. Should they ask them to go participate in different activities that the family is doing? So we we need to have those conversations before they actually come home after an attempt uh, so everybody in the family knows what to expect, and everybody knows um, how to moderate through this time period. Most important with both of those two situations is that we want them to know that they're they're loved, they're cared about, and that we're going to be sensitive to getting them back to their life, but making a forward, a future conversation. We want to make sure that that happens. We want to help you through this um, and get you back slowly. And you can even tie this to, you know, you, you get the flu. You get the stomach flu. Um, nobody likes it. You get through it but you don't go out and have a pizza the very first meal. Mm-hmm. You slowly start getting back into it, right? You might have you might have some water, then you might have, be able to have some pop before you can have juice that's very acidic, before you eat a big meal, um, you eat bland foods. You use the same kind of thinking when it comes to uh, somebody who has had an attempt. We've gotta get them back, we've gotta get them slowly, we love them, we care about them, but we want them to go back to their normal life and that's possible. Um, we also want to make sure that there are things that are set up so that we can know what to look for uh we want to give them a a scale to help them be able to say here's how i'm doing today and here's where i'm good and where i'm not good and what's going to happen if i'm not good so that there's some objective measure that people can look at in terms of are they doing okay how's the how's the process going after an attempt right
1: and then if it turns out that somebody in the community has passed away and you need to tell your child how do we say that in a way that relays that it was suicide, but not in a way that is confusing for a
0: child? Um, that's probably never going to happen actually. Mm -hmm. Um, It is confusing for kids, it's confusing for adults, Uh, it's confusing for professionals that have worked with the person. So um, it is it is about addressing that confusion. Mm -hmm. This is a topic that we don't often understand, we don't get all the answers to. We may never know exactly why we lost your best friend. We may never know what got them to this place uh, that they couldn't get through it? Uh, but you have to be really honest and upfront about it. Um, we, we just we sit down with them and say um, we have to have a, an important, serious conversation. This is going to be a hard conversation. Before I say it to you, I want you to know we're going to be here. We're going to help you through it. But um, we, we learned today that your friend um, Jane um, has died. Uh, we don't know all the reasons behind it. We don't know all the circumstances. We just know that, really sadly, she she's gone, and that's really hard for us. It's it's hard for you, and we can't imagine the pain you're in, and we can't imagine what it's going to be like for you. But we're going to be here for you, and we're going to walk you through this. And and we don't know all of those things, but we're we're still here, and we're gonna we're gonna help you through it. We're gonna give you the time that you need. Those are the kinds of things to say to somebody mm. when a tragedy has occurred. Mm.
1: All right, give us your top tip. What do you want our listeners to come away with today? Your top tip about talking to
0: kids about suicide. That it's really important that you do it. My top tip is that we can't shy away from this. You have to take that step. If you are worried about somebody, ask the question. If you want to use this as an opportunity to start a conversation, ask the question. My top tip is don't shy away from it. Do this because it could save somebody's life.
1: Thank you for that. Give us the resource of the week. Where can people learn more about you and all the great things you do, as well as more information about suicide and suicide prevention?
0: They can go to our website, save.org. Save, S-A-V-E dot org, save.org, and they can learn uh, more about the warning signs, uh, the risk factors, the protective factors, what to do, uh, where there's more resources, data, all of that's on our website.
1: Thank you so very much for your information today and for your stories and everything that you have given us in terms of the insight and strategies. Uh, I just love what you've said today about how to talk to kids and how important it is to simply talk to them. So thank you for being here. Thank you. Well, I've got my takeaways and sweet friends, I know you have yours. Let's discuss them. Come up onto Facebook. Go to the Dr. Robin Silverman page. Let's chat about it at drrobinsilverman.com or twitter.com slash drrobin. I'm also on Instagram at drrobinsilverman. And if you really thought this podcast was important, and I'm sure you did, I think it's one of the most important topics we can talk about, would you kindly go up to iTunes and rate and review the podcast so people can learn more about these outstanding solutions that we have heard about today? I truly pre- appreciate it it. That's all the time we have for today, my fellow parents, leaders, and educators. Thank you so much for tuning in to How to Talk to Kids About Anything. For more information on books, articles, speaking engagements, or curriculum, please visit DrRobinSilverman.com. So many great podcasts and the show notes to this podcast will be up there as well. I'll also be creating memes of all the great things that we heard today and and the great quotes that we heard today so you can share them amongst your friends. I look forward to weathering the storms and enjoying the sunny side of life together. And please, Please remember, even on the days when you fall short, you've got this, perhaps you heard something today and you thought, oh, I should have said something, I should do something. You can start today. You can do something today. You're here. You're getting the information you need. I know it's not easy, but never forget there's always tomorrow. Parenting is the ultimate do-over. I see you and I'm right there with you. And as there are moments when we doubt our know-how, our choices, and our sweet sanity, Please know you're ten times the parent you think you are. Until next time, this is Dr. Robin Silverman with How to Talk to Kids About Anything. Please tune in again and keep connecting through conversation. See you next week.
0: You've been listening to How to Talk to Kids About Anything with Dr. Robin Silverman. For more information on books, articles, speaking engagements, or curriculum, please visit drrobinsilverman.com.